Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.13a, and today we are tackling the concept of prayer. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the primary teacher of Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student at Liberty University studying pastoral leadership, youth ministry, and psychology, but not in that order. What does that mean? I'm a youth ministry major, pastoral leadership, and psych minor, but I accidentally said pastoral leadership first for some reason. That's okay. We forgive you. Uh, All right. So we have two guests with us this evening. We have our first returning guest, Tori Doty. I want to pronounce that right this time. Uh, she uh, was also in our, our love study. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that to that recording. Uh, and then with her is Lynn Coons. So both of them took the prayer study this past fall, and they were heavily involved in the, in the dialogue. And so I invited them to, to join us. So ladies, welcome to the podcast. Tori, welcome back. Um, can you guys explain what you, what you like about these unpacking studies? And wh- what was it about the prayer study that you really wanted to be a part of the recording? I think personally, one of my favorite things about the unpacking studies, and this is something that you say a lot, Shannon, uh, but I've seen so much power in applying the details of the Bible to the details of my life Um, and doing these studies, getting into the nitty gritty of scripture and seeing uh, kind of a comprehensive view of what scripture has to say about a topic and then being able to apply that to the details of my life has been super powerful. Um, So I feel called to intercession specifically for other people. Um, So I wanted to take the study so that I could start applying the details of scripture regarding prayer to the details of my personal practice of prayer and intercession. And I've seen a whole lot of power in that. And this even goes, you know, because you took Know Thyself too yeah. a couple years ago that with the teaching being an element and mm-hmm. getting to kind of do this teaching through the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, so Lynn, you're fairly new to the Unpacking series, but we got you hooked on it, right? Yes. <laughs> so why are you hooked? What did you like about it? Um, I'm hooked because Tori talked to me <laughs> first um, about it and she was just saying how much she was being um, grown and challenged and I've been hungry for that too grown up in the church, um, but wanted to um, also just just delve deeper into things. Um, as Tori mentioned, she's feeling led to intercessory prayer, and I actually have as well, um, and have been doing it. And this was almost more like just extra confirmation, especially coming from scripture and us right. being so focused in that, being like, this is making sense why I'm feeling these compelling, like, pushes and urges and things like that. And so it was just so much encouragement and, and confirmation for me yeah. on my side. And why'd you agree to go ahead and do the recording with us tonight? Um, did, did Tori twist your arm? <laughs> she didn't. I jumped on as soon as she said that. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's always intrigued me the idea of being on one. So I felt honored to be asked yeah. to do it. And I did. This one, like I said, was, was eye-opening and confirmation for me. So to be part of the podcast and talking about it just was something that I definitely wanted to do. So yeah. And they're addictive. Um, <laughs> even, even a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were uh, recording faith and my dad and my stepmom were in town. And so they, you know, Hey, come sit in the studio as we're recording. And then I asked them if they wanted to be a part of it. And they're like, no, 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 we're good. I'm going to please excite. I want, <coughs> I want you, <coughs> excuse me. I want you guys to give your insights, you know, into this. And so once they spoke, they actually really enjoyed it. And, and afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, we really liked it. That was actually kind of cool. So <laughs> cool. All right. So let's, um, as always, let's give a quick recap of, of what's been going on. So if this happens to be your first time listening to the podcast, um, you just kind of you want to learn more about prayer. 
we've been doing this whole season three on unpacking and the whole unpacking concept is trying to get as comprehensive and as in-depth as we can with all the different relevant passages in scripture on some topic so that we can really feel more confident that we really are getting a comprehensive view of what the Bible has to say about this. And so one of the other phrases that we say a lot is letting the Bible paint the picture it wants to paint, right? And so we've been doing that this, this whole season three. And so we'd started off with the core issues of just what, it, <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> man, what is scripture? Uh, how do you, how do you study it? What is hope? What does that look like in practice? Heaven, the, the fulfillment of, of, of hope. We, we looked at faith, you know, belief or faith equals belief plus trust. We looked at maturity, which I know that, uh, Zach, you said was one of your favorite ones that, that of just, what does it mean to kind of go to that next level? And so those of you who are familiar with the seven stage journey, we discussed in season one, you're moving from the boat riding to the water walking, you know, really, really going deeper in your faith. And then we did the whole thing on love, you know, Tori, you were there for that one. And just what is love, that heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's such an amazing one. I know that I think I've said before, if, if there was only three that I had recommended anybody listens to, it would be the scripture part one, love, and then this evil sin study, which was a six part harder um and then you, know, you had mentioned the the, the maturity zach uh, but anyway so we, we spent a whole three hours almost on what love is that heart soul mind and strength and getting in all that and it's so encouraging so convicting um and we did glory because that was a big thing too we talked about the difference between love and glory and so what is glory how does glory interact with love you know etc so we, we did those core issues then we moved into a, a kind of a second setting this is all still part of this initial foundation and so we went into interdeterminism which is which ended up being our longest one up until evil and sin, um, and it was interdeterminism is trying to figure out how God interacts with life when things happen. Why do they happen? Did God make that happen? Was it man's free will? Was there angelic intervention? Was there nat nature going on? And so we discuss how complex of an issue that is, um, and and then trying to kind of wrap our mind around like this camp that we want to hold to, and and the camp being very broad. So we'll have different ranges with, with within that camp, and so that then freed us up to. Get into the good and evil studies and so we did the good you know biblically what is good and then we did biblically what is evil and sin and so that would end up being a six-parter seven hour and 40 minute uh of material on what is evil and sin and uh, and how does god respond to it how does we how do we respond to it why does a good god allow evil it was just a huge component there and then that segued right into suffering which is the same question, why does a good God allow suffering? And so we put those together, the interdeterminism, good, evil, sin, and suffering all together because there's those big kind of foundational questions that we all wrestle with. But we didn't want to discuss them until we had started with the first ones of the faith, hope, and love. And so prayer, this one here, becomes the bookend of this first section of the third season. Uh, and then we'll move on to other sections and, and other, other unpackings as well. But prayer, I wanted to book it. So we started with scripture as the first book. And then we have prayer here as the, as the end book in. And I like that prayer follows suffering, which is the previous episode that we just did. Um, because you really want to be praying. Prayer, prayer helps as, you, as you're enduring suffering. Uh, and so I like having this as the book in because I, I really do believe that um, prayer and scripture and community are really the core three pillars to Christian living. And so we'll do, eventually we'll do an unpacking on community and, 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 and all that as well down the road. But anyways, so that's, that's what we've been doing so far in this season, just to kind of give you all a, a quick catch up with that. So with that, let's go ahead and move right into the study. And so normally, you know, we've said with the, the unpacking process, there's those four questions that we, we, we ask. 
So what is the definition uh, of this concept according to scripture? And then how does it work? What's the nuances? What are the benefits of it? What are the motivations for pursuing it? And then application. What does this mean for me? What's a takeaway? What changes should I make, et cetera? So normally when we go through the sessions, we, we take that four approach. Given prayer, we're going to do it a little bit different. We're still going to touch on all those points. So what we're going to do here is, is we're going to record this into two sessions, which is why this is 3.13a, and then we'll do it 3.13b. And so what this session is going to be is what is prayer? We're going to get into the definition and the meaning, and then we're going to talk about what does it achieve and the benefits of it all um, and kind of give you an overview or a snapshot of, of prayer. And then in the second session, we're going to work through specifically how one can pray. And we'll talk more about this because there's, there's different ways, you know, et cetera. So that, that's, that's the outline that we're going to go through. So with that, let's move right into the, um, the terminology uh, here and I gotta I gotta flip to my notes. We also have just two mics here, and so if there's a little bit of pause um, between some of the stuff of us talking, it's because we're we're passing the mics back and forth to each other. Just as an FYI, uh, letting you guys peek behind the curtain a bit. So. When, you know, as always, when, when, we, when we pick a concept, the first thing that we do is, is we work through what's the family of words that we need to look up in, in the research, in the study, as we go into the New American Bible. And so you, you, you want to look up pray and prayer, but you also need to be looking up other, other words that, that still reference this whole this concept. So what we did, so I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through these. Um, we looked up pray and prayer, which mentions 327 times total in the Bible. That's 180 in the Old Testament and then 147 in the New. So almost equal, which is interesting because the Old Testament is like twice as long as the New. Right? Um, and then we also looked up ask because one of the oversimplified ways to define prayers to ask for things, right? The supplication. And that's mentioned 264 times, 114 in the old and 150 in the new. Uh, inquire and inquiry, which was 84 times, 74 and 10. Supplication, the kind of the fancy term there, 55 times, 53 and 2. It's only mentioned twice. I never would have guessed that. I really would have thought supplication was mentioned more in the New Testament. Uh, and then request, 48 times, 35 and 13. Implore, which is a stronger version of, the, of these things, 29 times, 6 and 23. Plead, 28 times, 24 and 4. Beg, 28 times, 9 and 19. Uh, meditate, 23 times, all in the Old Testament. Petition, 22 times, 18 and 4. Entreat and entreaty, 19 times, 16 and 3. Appeal, 19 times, 2 and 17. Beseech, 11 times, 8 and 3. Intercede, 10 times, 6 and 4. Uh, mediate, 8 times, 2 and 6. So those are the words that we end up using in the study. Now there were some other, and, and how this works, by the way, as I'm looking these words up, you start seeing the definitions. You say, ooh, it's also translated this, so I also need to add that word to the list, and it just kind of keeps going. So there were also a handful of other words like call, cry, seek, wish, vow, search, and urge. They all overlap with prayer, but they also have a number of different other meanings, and it was too hard to differentiate, so we, we didn't include them in the study. So with the ones that we included, 975 total mentions in Scripture of this concept of prayer, 570 in the Old Testament, 405 in New. Interesting thing, that's not a lot. So you guys have noticed a lot of the studies, it's 1,200 mentions or 1,400 mentions or 1,800 mentions. The evil sin was 2,700 mentions, right? And so prayer is, is a, a whopping, you know, 975. So it's the, it, And it's still obviously a lot, right? But compared to some of the other concepts we've unpacked, it, it, does, it wasn't mentioned as much. So I thought it was interesting. So that, that's the family of words. So then we go into the, the Greek and the Hebrew. And we always read these off in the podcast. 
they can be a little bit tedious as we read them off, but we want to read them too because we want you to see one, just kind of how thorough we're trying to get, you know, as, as we dive into all these. And then two, um, that you're, you're, we're, we're going to read the word and then, and then the biblical dictionary definition of that word. And so what we want you doing as you're listening to this podcast is listen, what's the words or phrases that keep coming up, right? What's jumping out at you? So you can also do a, a bit of exploration uh, like we did when we first went through it. And so when we go through these studies, we have people start circling, oh, this word keeps coming up or this concept keeps coming up, right? So that, that's, that's why we do this. So one of the Hebrew words is palal, which is mentioned 84 times, and it means to intervene, intercede, mediate, to judge or make judgment or pray. And then a spinoff of that word is the tefillah, which is 77 times, which means it's the noun, the supplication, prayer, or hymn. And then we also see 22 times athar, which is to pray, supplicate, entreat, intercede, burn incense for, uh, and also to answer prayer. It's your turn. <laughs> uh, nah. Uh, it's 393 times in the Old Testament and 16 times in the New Testament. It's a primitive uh, participle of incitement or entreaty. I beseech, implore you, now, then. And so real quick, with the, the note on that one, so that primitive participle, you know, going back to your English classes, etc. What is that? It's almost like a filler word. Uh, it's, it's not even like, you know, it's a participle. It's a part of a word. And so it's 393 times, and, and it's basically like getting someone's attention. So in the English, you'll see it, um, I beseech you, or I implore you, or now then. The idea is kind of like this, you know, hey, listen to me, blah, blah, blah. And so, but, that, but that's a word. So a lot of times in the English, you say, you'll see in the, in the English, it'll say, uh, I pray, listen to me. And, and it's not prayer and how we're thinking prayer. It's more of this beseech, you know, kind mm -hmm. of term. Anyways. Keep going. Next, we're going to look at shawl, which means to ask, request, beg, or demand, um, to inquire or consult, or to grant a request. So we have the asking and the granting in that definition. Right. Yeah. So that goes both ways. And that was 171 times. Yes. And then we have the pa uh, paga, or paga, 46 times. It means to encounter or meet or to entreat or to intercede for or to attack. And we also have haga, which is 25 times, and that's to murmur, utter, groan, growl, and also to ponder or meditate on. Growl, I get, you know, I get gets your attention there. Okay. Next we have siach, which appears 20 times, and that's to ponder, muse, meditate on, to talk of, converse with, complain. So those were the primary Hebrew words. There's a handful of other Hebrew words that were used just less frequently, and so we didn't include them in the list. And just a side note with Hebrew, it's, it's a fairly small vocabulary compared to like English, which has like 500,000 words in it. Uh, and so a lot of Hebrew words have actually several different meanings of so the same word. We mean different things over time. They end up adding all the, I don't remember the names of it, the symbols, you know, the lines and marks and such, um, on the word to give them more, uh, more depth or whatever. Anyway, so those are the Hebrew words. So Tori, what, what, what the Greek? Uh, we have prosukamai, which means to pray, supplicate, or worship, and prosukai, uh, which means prayer, worship. Then we have uh, uh, deomai, which is 21 times, and it means to lack or want something. So to ask, request, petition, entreat, beseech, or beg for. And then a spinoff of that is the deesis 18 times, which is the noun, the, uh, a prayer, request, or supplication. Seven times, we also see uh, the word yukomai, which is to wish or pray for. Uh, next, we have iteo, 
which appears 70 times, which is to desire, crave, require, ask for, call for, beg. Next, we're going to look at eroteo. Uh, that's 63 times it appears. means to interrogate or question, to ask, entreat, request, beseech, or beg. And then the other one, in, in Chano, to uh, five times, to chance upon or confer with or intercede for. And then there were other less, less mentioned uh, Greek words as well. So, so we went through that list, and what we started noticing is a couple different things um, that come from that. The, some different elements that, that might be included in this concept of prayer. One is a, a desiring or wishing for or craving for something. So the idea that you're, maybe you're experiencing some sort of lack, uh, and so you desire that lack to, to be met. Another concept that, that, that kept coming up, and this was just so interesting, to encounter or meet with. Now, if we had all of the, all these Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic words and only once one of the words happened to mention encounter, you wouldn't make much of it. But several of the words had this idea of encountering or meeting with somebody. Uh, and so we, we wanted to make a, make a point with that. Um, sometimes that might mean like maybe a, you're meeting with a greater figure with resources, uh, possibly. Another thing that we noticed is there was a meditating on or pondering or murmuring or uttering. That's even the moaning or growling. Um, and, and there it's the... Um, maybe intentionally experiencing the encounter where you're kind of reflecting on it, right? Uh, and then we saw a couple times the worshiping and praising. So that seems to be another element of, of prayer, really appreciating, uh, you know, that, that experience. Um, and then questioning, searching for, consulting with, even interrogating. The idea here was usually you're, you're looking for some kind of knowledge or understanding, which, again, would make sense in, in this concept of prayer. And then interceding for or interceding on behalf of or granting a request uh, also sh shows up. That might be by the greater figure. We also, oh, let me back up. The questioning, searching for, consulting with, and then asking for, requesting, even imploring, begging, or demanding. So it seemed that the questioning, searching, is like you're looking for information or understanding, and then the asking for, requesting, is you're asking for some thing or some blessing or some resource or whatever. Uh, and then the interceding for, or on behalf of, or, or granting a request, possibly by that greater figure. So you have this idea of, kind of what was emerging, and, and we don't say this hard fast, it was just observations that we were making, that that putting all these together, you might be experiencing some lacking, and so you seek out some greater figure with resources, uh, intentionally experiencing that encounter with that person, appreciating the encounter, appreciating the experience, seeking to gain knowledge and understanding, uh, and then seeking to possibly gain some thing or resource or blessing by the greater figure. And what's fascinating is, we know now ahead of time because we've already finished the study. But when you finish the study, that actually makes sense. That actually lines up with the concept that emerged from everything. So it, it's really cool to kind of see how these words can, can draw little hints at it all. Um, and so we have the, the surface point of prayer is to ask for something, you know, this idea of petitioning. But there are other critical components both leading up to that and following that. And we want to keep that in mind. So so that is the, um, the, the Hebrew and the Greek. Um, then we move to the, so, you know, we always, after that, we look up the Merriam-Webster and Farlex dictionaries, and we look up um, each of those key words from those definitions. We look them up in the English uh, dictionaries to make sure that we're still tracking with all of this and, and that we're, we're understanding what's going on. We're picking up the necessary points that we need, et cetera. So we're going to go through uh, some of these, uh, these, these definitions now. So we looked up pray. 
And pray means to entreat, implore, to humbly, earnestly make a request, request to address God. And earnest, I looked up, means something serious, intentional, considerable, or impressive. We also looked up request, which uh, just means to ask for something. Uh, to ask, to make a request, to put a question about, call for an answer. Petition, an earnest or formal request. Supplicate, to earnestly or humbly ask for or to entreat. And so that begs the question, what does entreat mean? Uh, to ask urgently, plead with, even the idea of persuading is here. Uh, and then it can also mean obsolete, negotiate, or intercede. It's an obsolete definition. It's, it's an obsolete definition, meaning that it used to mean also negotiate or intercede, but no, but no longer. Okay? Uh, plead, to entreat, or argue a case for. Beseech, to beg for earnestly. So that's that serious, intentional, considerable considerable, impressive, um, asking for, um, or to do it urgently, to beg for urgently. How many times in the last eight months would you say you've actually used the word beseech in a sentence? One time just now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think, like one time, really? Oh, count no, just okay, now. Okay, okay. Um, to beg means to ask for earnestly. And again, we're seeing earnestly show up a lot here, right? To ask for earnestly, to ask for charity. Implore means to call or pray for earnestly, to beseech or entreat. To inquire means to ask about or search into. Uh, we looked up intercedes, that's to plead for the needs of someone else, to intervene for them, to go between, act as a mediator or an advocate. To grant means to consent to carry out, to permit as a right, privilege, or favor. To mediate is to engage in uh, <coughs> contemplation or reflection. Uh, yes, meditate, sorry. Is to engage in contemplation or reflection, to focus one's thoughts on, to engage in mental exercises, such as concentration on breathing or repetition of a mantra, uh, for reaching a heightened level of spiritual awareness. To contemplate means to view or consider with continued attention. If we're reflecting on something, we're realizing or considering, gazing steadily on, thinking carefully about it. And then to ponder was the other one we looked up. It means to weigh in the mind, to think about soberly, quietly, deeply. So, so those were the, uh, the, the dictionary definitions that we looked up. Do you guys have anything um, in your notes as far as like, like what you were making to yourself when we went through the study that, well, that was jumping out at you? I think for me, just to see how many times earnestly did come up. Um, so there is this level of uh, seriousness, intentionality that we're supposed to do these things. We're supposed to ask, uh, make our requests earnestly, not just make them, you know, mm -hmm. haphazardly, <coughs> casually, passively, uh, but to do so earnestly. That really stood out to me. Um, I think for me, just the fact with prayer, um, I had this idea, obviously, growing up in terms of it being the very typical stand-up and you say it like a certain uh -huh. way, um, and there wasn't very much like emotion to it, but the emotion, like whether it is quietly doing it, um, there's an emotion to that, or it being very loud and vulnerable and, and emotional, like 
those were the things that that stood out to me as cool. I was looking at it. So good. Uh, and then one other quick side note. So when so when I first did this study, this was years and years ago. This was even before the unpacking concept had got developed. It was an old community group of mine. We had like thirty people in that group. And so one summer we decided to study prayer more. And it was always a weak point for me, uh, a weak aspect of, of my Christian living. And so we ended up picking up, I think, something like. 12 or 13 or 15 books or something crazy like that. These different Christian books on prayer. And then uh, we had different people in the group volunteer to read that book. So they had a month or so to read the book. And then over the course of the whole summer, they would report to the group a basic summary of what they were learning. And so we, we started uh, compiling this list of all these different insights that these different writers, you know, had, had talked about. Um, and so that's what it started with first. And then, and then we, then we, the unpacking thing got developed. And so then we took the unpacking approach. And so we blended all of that together. So I wanted to at least read off those, those books just to, to give acknowledgement to them that a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear in these two episodes on prayer come from this. Uh, and so there are a plethora of books, uh, many of which, contribute to the notes like I just said that uh, these include connecting the dots by Mike Hurt there's an old pastor friend of mine uh, celebration of discipline by Richard Foster that's one of like, the five or six books I recommend every Christian read it's a phenomenal phenomenal book um, the life you've always wanted by I think John Ortberg spiritual classics which is edited by Foster how to listen to God by Stanley praying backwards by Chapman we're going to reference that one quite a bit here in this study why don't we listen better by Peterson Practice of the Presence of God by Andrew Murray. Prayer by uh, Philip Yancey. Prayer by Ian e. Bounds. Uh, this prayer article by Ballantyne, which was in the Eerdmans Dictionary of the Bible that Friedman edited. Uh, a prayer article by Hernandez in the Global Dictionary of Theology that Dyerness had edited. And then Sparkling Gems from the Greek by Rick Renner, uh, as well as Has God Given Up on Me by Edwards. So I just wanted to reference those real quick. Uh, so shout out to those guys and gals. All right, so now, so, so that was the, the books that we read. Then, of course, as we do with the unpacking, we go through all of Scripture. And so, you know, as always, we split it up. There's the, the, the Torah and the historical books and the wisdom literature and the prophets and the uh, uh, Gospels and Acts and the Epistles and Revelation. So in the study that we did, we split all those verses up. Everyone read their sections. And then we took everything from those books, everything from the passages, everything from um, the, the wording, right? And we put all of this together. And so we're going to give you guys the conclusion here in a minute. But before we do that, two of the key pas passages is from Matthew 6, 5 to 15, which is there in the Sermon on the, on the Mount, known as the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Um, and then John 17, which is this long prayer that he does. So what's interesting is, and, and Lynn, you made the comment, like, you know, we grew up, most of us, with this idea that you're supposed to kind of present, you know, you, you get this, this short little speech in your prayer, you know, our, our Father. Da -da. And a lot of that actually comes from Matthew 6, where, where Jesus, our leader, says, this then is how you should pray. And so I remember thinking, like, what, so as we, as we were going through all these studies, I'm like, Gosh, I'm picturing something different than what Jesus said. You know, so what's going on here? Well, the idea here is, is, is Jesus is presenting to them not a word by word of what the prayer should be, but key elements and components to prayer. Because what's funny is later in John 17, he does this massive chapter-long prayer to God the Father, his Abba, and he doesn't use the Matthew 6 prayer. So it's, it's not like he's being hypocritical. You guys 
All you humans need to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray differently, right? That's not, that's not what I was doing. And so that helped, that helped me, you know, kind of calm down and relax. That, so so we're going to actually read. A lot of times we don't read the scripture in these studies because there was just so much information to get out there. We wanted, because this is prayer, we wanted to take a couple minutes to actually just, just read through it all. Um, and so we're going to read the Matthew 6, uh, uh, 5 to 15 prayer and the John 17 prayer. Uh, just, and we want you listening. So, so if, as long as you're not driving right now, listen to your podcast, uh, close your eyes and, and just listen to this and try to think of the different components of it. They're very, they're both very, very powerful prayers. And, and we glean some things from that, that help, helps us, um, you know, as we, as we go through all this. So I'm also going to, uh, put you guys on the spot and call an audible. So we're actually going to read these in the Greek. Are you guys, are you guys okay with that? Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to read it in English. Um, so we're, we're going to just kind of rotate through here. All right. So, so uh, Matthew 6, 5 to fi- uh, 15. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be our name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. So I remember when we were putting this together, I wanted to include that last little section because mm-hmm. it's not technically part of the prayer, but it plays into the prayer because of the call for, for forgiveness. Yeah. Also, you guys will see in your notes there, see how um, uh, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever on man. It's in brackets. Mm-hmm. So some manuscripts include that. Some manuscripts don't. So there's some different debate on it. Um, one thought is the originals didn't include the brackets. And then some scribe later on felt that it was needed. Like they needed some other cooler ending and added that where others believe that, no, this, this was there all along. And the reason it doesn't show up in some of the manuscripts was somebody just forgot to write it. Right. So there's different debate on that. But what's hysterical is, and you'll see this a lot of times if like you're a Protestant Christian and you go to a Catholic wedding because they read it, you know, a different, they, they read just the first part and stop. I've, I've seen this before. It's hilarious. And you're trying not to laugh during, during the wedding service. So everyone's up reading it and everyone's reading, everyone, everyone's had this memorized, right? Everyone who's been to Sunday school as a kid, whether Catholic or Protestant. And uh, and so then the Catholics that are most of them in the wedding they'll all stop and then you'll feel like you'll hear like six or seven Protestants scattered throughout the congregation reading the last little part and then like trailing off because no one else is saying it like I've seen it it's it's just it's funny I think God gets a big kick out of that so so that is Matthew six uh, five to fifteen and then and then John seventeen uh, we're going to do the whole chapter here um, is is Jesus having this really cool prayer to God the Father. <clears throat> So Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you've given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. 
I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they've kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I've given to them and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me for they are yours and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you've sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you and these have known you that you have sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So it's interesting, interesting to see how different those two prayers are. I mean, there's some similarities in them, right? But like one is our and us, the other is me. Um, in in Jesus' prayer in John 17, it seems a little bit of rambling, right? Like he kind of starts going off on these tangents, like where are you going? We're like in the Matthew 6, it's like this boom, boom, boom. All right, so give honor to God, ask for a certain thing, etc. And the point here is, is we're hoping that you realize there's a number of different ways to pray. Yeah. And so, yes, there can be that formal kind of step by step, but it doesn't have to be that. Jesus, it really seems like he's actually just having a conversation with, with God. And it's very casual. It's very informal. Now, it's very mystical. It's just kind of what John, the book of John is, a lot, a lot of mysticism. But we can take from that that sometimes there is this kind of point-by-point structure to prayer. Other times it's much more open and, and, and casual, you know, and, and I really enjoy that. Um, and so some of the other things that we can glean from this, um, experiencing and glorifying God, recognizing his resplendent heaviness. This goes back to the whole glory thing, reveling in that and revealing it to others. And then asking for sanctification, love, forgiveness of sins, unity, joy, spiritual protection, and different needs to be met. So we're seeing that. We have 
some some of the elements of prayer. There's an honoring of God. There's show, a showing a respect to Him. There's a recognizing of His glory. There's also asking for certain things, you know, and, and just talking about things. And so that that's just really cool, kind of going through that. So we wanted to highlight those two. Um, so now we can then move into. So given all of these things, we came up with a conclusion this definition of what exactly is prayer. This was just really cool. And so I'm really hoping that these, these, uh, most of these unpacking studies can kind of just open your eyes. That's more than I realized. So it's, it's not that a lot of the, the ways that you've always defined something was wrong. It's more that it was incomplete. Um, and so, so, so I like that approach. And so here, so, so we'll get right to it. The definition of what is prayer. So what I have here, uh, and then I know Lynn's going to give her points as well. That, that I see prayer as both communion and conversation. The communion being simply just hanging out with God, experiencing him, kind of a camaraderie, where the conversation is that, that two-way talking. And so that communion with God. So first and foremost, it is simply an intimate experience of his presence, connecting with him in a very real way, sharing time with him without even the need for words. So like Psalm 62, 5 to 6 in the NASB or Matthew 28, 20b. And then the conversation with God, it's that two-way dialogue with him, listening to him as he speaks, and then he listening to you as you speak. And so, and that's like Job 41 to 7. And so we can, you can, as a visual, you could draw like a little circle or big circle, whatever. And so prayer represents the, the whole circle. And you could draw a line down the middle. So you have two halves, half, half, half of it, half of it is just that communion, that camaraderie, just that hanging out with him, just experiencing him. No words have even been exchanged. And then the other half of the prayer is the dialogue, right? It is the conversation between the two of you. So in that half, you could draw um, a, a horizontal line to kind of split into quarters, right? So you have this one whole half of the communion, experience, and camaraderie. Then you have these two quarters of the conversation. So one quarter of that is God talking, and one quarter of it is you talking. And then, so let's say in that bottom kind of right corner, a uh, quarter of the you talking, you could split it into all these different sections. So like you've heard the acts, prayer, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, right? So there's the supplication part. There's you asking for things and, and, and confession and all that stuff. So a lot of times people, you know, prayer is supplications to ask something of God. That's true, but that's only one slice of that quarter. And there's another whole quarter of him talking and you just listening. And then another whole half of the two of you just experiencing each other and hanging out. And so that I loved. I'm like, wow, this is so different than what I'd realized. And I, and, and I, was, I was just in awe of that, right? Um, so, so I wanted to pr present that. Lynn, what, what, is, what was the definition that you had come up with? Yeah, so, and I like that fact that you have us at the end of the, the unpacking, have us each come up with our own definition mm -hmm. from what we've um, – gleaned and, and learned. So um, what I wrote is that it's a time uh, with God to boldly, earnestly, and eagerly seek to be in his presence. It's a time to beg and plead to know him more and to ask and then intercede on behalf of others. It's a time to search for answers and to be open to hear the Lord's voice and direction. And it's extremely personal and can be loud and emotional or quiet meditation and a, and a pondering and reflecting. And quick side question, why do you think I have everybody write their own definition? Partially to make sure we're, we're understanding it and grasping. <laughs> that's, that's, and paying attention, right? <laughs> that's, true, that's true. Yes. Yeah, and so so what I'd wanted to do in the past mm -hmm. was, is our, here's the definition, and then I wanted people to memorize that definition. 
But because I believe so strongly in the power of words and how in the English language there's 500,000 different words in our vocabulary and certain words will resonate with you, I realized it was important to let each person write their own definition using the words from the study that resonated with them. Now, and notice that when I say to let them write their own definition, not from scratch, simply what they want. Right. Um, but but let them write what they've been observing and what we've been talking about in their own words. And so there's a little bit of a fear there of like, well, what if what if I don't agree with it, you know? And and they say the wrong thing. It's a trust issue, and that if we really are spending four weeks or eight weeks or however these studies are, we should trust that they're moving in the right direction. And so it was me having to let go of control a little bit, but realizing the importance of because I want I want transformation, not information. Uh, is that I need to let them kind of write their own words. And so that's how we went ahead and implemented that part to the podcast or to the uh, unpacking studies. And I think another aspect of that is just different people come from different backgrounds. And so they emphasize different parts of things. And so I know that that's something that we've talked about a lot in different issues or different concepts and everything in the past, just that uh, we'd like to have a very two-dimensional view of things because that's easy. So you can just see a circle and that's fine. But when you actually begin to see different sides of things, and so you look at it from the top and the bottom and the like angled side from the corner like there's so many different ways that you can view things and by having a wide variety of definitions you can see the front side and then someone can come around to the back side and explain it from that way even though you're all defining the same thing just getting the different aspects of it right it's not so black and white there's very very much gray Shannon, you've definitely introduced me to <laughs> things are not so black and white. There's a lot of gray area. <laughs> yeah, I love meeting people in, in, in studies. I'm a very black and white person. I'm like, you have no idea what you're getting into, you know, these things. So a question for each of you guys then, for all three of you. As you first begin to kind of understand that there is this just hanging out with God element of prayer, and there's also letting him talk, which opens up a whole can of worms, which we are going to discuss. Now, we're going to discuss that in the second uh, uh, episode second session um but what does it mean to you know hear god in prayer not just speak to him or just even hang out i know when i first heard it i was like okay i don't need, i don't know what that means or i don't even know how to do that but i am intrigued by it right so each of you guys just take a moment to kind of answer that when you first were kind of going through the study or maybe you had already heard about it before and you were getting this idea there was more to prayer than just this formal kind of petitioning what was going through your head or, or your heart as, as you were kind of chewing on that at the very beginning of the episode, Shannon, you said we a lot of times oversimplify prayer to just the asking. Um, and I'm guilty of that, too. And so realizing that there are so many layers to it and there are so many other aspects to prayer. Um, and it also kind of shed light for me on times where I have felt my prayer life is stale because I'm only focusing on that one part. And there's so many layers I'm not even paying attention to or exploring or um, spending that time with the Lord to um, kind of experience those other layers. Um, so I think that was really good for me to see um, how much of it I I wasn't paying attention to. Yeah. And I was hyper-focusing on this one small layer of it. Yeah. Did you have any pushback at first? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I didn't want to. I mean, the, it complicates it to have more <laughs> layers. It takes more time to do it. Um, so you know, the lazy side of me was like, no, I just want the one. I just want the one part to focus on. Um, but it's such, it's significantly more rich of an experience Ooh, there you go. with all it. of those other layers. So in the end, it's worth it because you, you get all of this additional experience with it, but it's a lot harder to do. Yeah. yeah. Lynn, what'd you think? 
Oh, sorry, the mic is falling. Um, so <clears throat> for me, I was coming on the tail end of having some like longer prayer times and I was getting discouraged because then I was not having those times. I wasn't having as much time in my life because life had gotten busy. So then I was like having the shorter ones, but then realizing that my prayers could be the longer ones where I'm having that intentional mm-hmm. time where um, I'm I'm getting quiet and getting in that space, but then also realizing that I was slowly getting to a point where I could get to like a more feeling the Lord's presence right. and having that connection to him much quicker. And you called it the walkie-talkie prayer and just, just getting into that and understanding that's okay too and something that I was appreciating and and realizing was happening more as well so yeah and if you listeners are wondering well what's this walkie-talkie prayer we're not going to tell you you just (laughs) no just kidding we're actually we're going to elaborate on that in in a little bit yeah and I think for me something that uh I've just kind of gone on a progression of prayer increasing and everything like the power of it and then also Mm -hmm. the extent of what all it includes um because for a long time just i had i was never taught this necessarily but i just kind of picked up like prayer is just you have to do it before you eat so make sure that you do it before you eat uh before you go to bed so then you that's four times a day like that's pretty good um and so make make sure that's going on at least and then like if something if you have a test or something coming up then make sure you pray too because it's important to uh, ask god for help um but really beginning to realize that prayer is so much more than just, um, oh, yeah, I do need you, God. So let's talk for a little bit real quick before this moment, this specific instance where I know that I need you. Um, so recognizing that I need God a whole lot more than just with the big moments of life, whatever that would really mean to you. Um, and so realizing that that's an aspect of prayer and then also that it's so much more than just asking, like it's actually spending time with God and moving uh, forward and having that conversation, even though it's uh, not necessarily an audible voice, but just like working through that and seeing what all that would entail. Yeah. So hopefully for for you the listeners that, that we're getting to stretch you here in a good way, right? And kind of encourage you and open you up to, to all of this. Um, so now let's, let's segue into the, the motivation or benefits. So we're going to keep kind of ha- hashing home this point of this communion and two-way conversation, et cetera. So we'll, we'll come back to this. But what are the, the motivations to pray? What are the benefits to pray? So this, this becomes a huge issue because, and this is a common theme in a lot of the unpacking and even, well, the lenses and everything else. So much of our Christian living is, is out of obligation, which is true. I mean, there is a duty that we have to God, right? He's died for us. He made us. We, we, we have an obligation to him, and that's true. But just <clears throat> me trying to think through, like, the practical reality of how to transform and things like that. I knew that obligation will only take me so far because I'm not necessarily a duty-driven person. Um, and, and so one of the things that was helpful for me as I was reading Scripture after I came back from Prodigal Son stage and was studying was the Bible would say, go do this, you know, whatever, some command or prohibition. Then it would tell you why to go do that or why to avoid it. And it gave you a reasoning that there was a benefit. This goes back to this whole evil sin study, uh, benefit and detriment. And so I was really intrigued with how many times the bible goes into detail about what's the benefit of doing something and i'm like i know why god did that in the scriptures because he knew psychologically that humans needed it and so sometimes we do get preached at we're told just do it 
okay, fine. Again, you're right. I can't argue with that. But I also know that it's very helpful and persuasive to actually understand the, the benefit and motivations of things. So like with the commands and prohibitions, as I started realizing the commands will bring benefit to you or others and the prohibitions bring detriment to you or others, which is why it's prohibited. It changed things for me. So when so prayer was one of those things, your obligation, you're supposed to pray for a meal. Well, I don't want to pray just because I'm supposed to. And it seems like that's probably not what God's intent is, you know. Um, and so when we were going through this study and we started finding all these different benefits that can come if you pray, they're really cool. There's, 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 there's a bunch of them here. So we're going to read them off to you. And as we're reading them off to you, I want you listening and being like, you know, something like, eh, eh, ooh, that one. For whatever reason, that one struck me, right? And so hopefully that you, you do take notes when you listen to these podcast series. Uh, you know, you, you got a journal or something. And so so make some notes to yourself. Ooh, that, okay. And, and we're going to put the scripture references here for you too. Um, but we want, you, we want it beginning to click for you. Don't pray out of obligation. Pray because of all these cool different benefits that could come, right? So one of the benefits is it pleases God. And so you have the chance to make your God smile or grin from ear to ear that you're choosing to come to him and spend time with him and talk with him. And so we can see this in Psalm 51, 15 to 17, Proverbs 15, 8, Hebrews eleven six. 6. And then a second motivation is that prayer can calm you. And we see that in Isaiah 26, 3 and uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And uh, something that actually stood out a lot to me was that it, it stirs you and, and compels you and moves in you. And that can be found in Haggai 1, 12 through 14, Psalm 21, 6, and Malachi 4, 2. It's pronounced Malachi as the Italian prophet. <laughs> <laughs> her face. Her, <laughs> sorry. You, you, guys, you guys can't see this. <laughs> sorry. 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 All right, keep going, Tori. Uh, we're also going to find our satisfaction in him. So we talked a little about recognizing the hierarchy of importance of, of things in life. Um, so making sure that things are, you know, in that tier of hierarchy that they should be in. Um, so first things would be salvation, our sanctification, intimacy with God. So we're actually going to be finding uh, our satisfaction in him mm -hmm. by praying. We see that in um, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, Psalm 37, 3 through 8, and Matthew 6, 28 through 34. Do you remember who um, presented the concept of first things and second things? I don't. So Larry Crabb, uh, he's a Christian psychologist. He's my favorite human author. Uh, he, I just, I love his stuff. 66 Love Letters and Soul Talk and some mm -hmm. other ones. Anyway, so he was the one that I first read about this idea of first things and second things. And I want to elaborate a little bit on it because yeah. it becomes a key point to this. So what he said is, is he, I think he only mentions first things and second things. I can't remember if he, if he has a third things category, but it's definitely implied. So if not, we'll add it. Um, but so third things would be like the spices of life. You know, just those fun kind of extra things that are out mm -hmm. there. So second things are all the important things in life. Marriage, um, the, you know, work, stewardship, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you think, well, uh, wait, uh, if there's second things, then they're not that important. And he goes, no, understand that second things are vitally important. They're substantive to living. Mm -hmm. First things are even more critical. And he says there's only one thing in the first thing category, and that's your intimacy with God. In, in, in your relationship with him. And it, it, it convicts you because even in, in Christian living, we hear the importance of stewardship and marriage and, yeah. you know, obeying all, the, obeying all the commands, you know, not sinning, all that kind of thing. And, and, and Crab would say, you know, that's all super important. They're second things. Mm -hmm. The first thing is 
that it's it's him it's just you and him and so and like that's such a a lip service churchies christian culture thing to say but crab means it you know i I love the way that he writes um and and he was just trying to explain guys don't give lip service to this many christians do because there's like this pressure you're not supposed to you know no one's going to admit they don't have this intimate relationship with god and so they give a lip service or head nod to it he goes you've got a chance through prayer through scripture and through prayer to and community but to really begin to experience him you know paul talks about now we see but in a mirror darkly then we shall see face to face so it's still not the full version the full version will come you know in heaven and there'll still be second things and third things in heaven um and so it's really helpful so so one of the things with this prayer study is understanding understand that one of the benefits here as, as you're doing all of this you're going to begin to find your satisfaction in him more than anything else. And you're going to, you're going to begin to hang out in that first thing category. And it's going to change you uh, over slowly, oh, two steps forward, one step back over time. All right, so that's that. And then another, another benefit is it strengthens you. Um, this could be a, a physical strength to an extent. It could be an emotional strength or spiritual strength. So we see this in 1 Samuel 36b, Daniel 10, 15 and 19, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. And then it also can bring you clarity and understanding. And we see that idea in Colossians 1, 9 through 10, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And that goes back, that goes back to the wording that we saw at the beginning, that it's to seek understanding. Yeah. Um, it stretches you and aligns you. Uh, it lines your will with his, um, which can be seen in Jeremiah 6, 16, Romans uh, 12, 2. And then also in John 14, 13 through 14 and Mark 11 and 21 to 26. So really it's aligning um, with with you aligning your will with with God's. And then he's showing you um, what what to ask for um, and um, when you're when you're aligning them. And so then um, really for me, that was encouraging because then it's like you're you're asking for something and believing that it's coming mm-hmm. and then you get to watch it come and get to see him do his thing as you're aligning your will with his will. And we're going to come back to that um, in this in the second episode uh, and elaborate more on what this means to align your will with his and ask for the things that he wants you to ask for. Uh, another motivation that we're going to see is that it can change your circumstances. Um, so that's where those second things come in that you were talking about, Shannon, um, those important things in life mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. are on that second tier. Um, so we see this in Second Kings 6, 15 through 18, uh, James 5, 16 through 18, and James 4, 1 through 3. Um, so some of us kind of get caught up and, and hung up in prayer because we've experienced times where we've asked for specific requests and the Lord hasn't answered the way that we were asking him to or expecting him to. Um, so it could be that those un- unanswered prayers were asked with the wrong understanding or, or perspective or motive, um, maybe the wrong desire. I um, mean, we'll touch more on that later. Yeah. Um, and then we can also look more into God's sovereignty, determinism, um, choices, things like that in another unpacking. Series. Yeah. And that's in the interdeterminism episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 3.09, I think, is interdeterminism. You can, you can look on Podbean. So this was a big issue for me because, so before all the study, you know, I long thought prayer was more that petitioning or asking. And I've asked for stuff from God and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. 
And so there was a little bit of a, a, a letdown, right? You, uh, you got your hopes up and then yeah. they were shattered. And so there was a bit of bitterness for me. And so a lot of times I would pray because I was supposed to in front of people and just say some prayer. But deep down, I'm like, I don't want to ask him for anything. I've done it. They didn't give it to me. You know, and, and if we're being honest, a lot of Christians wrestle with mm-hmm. that. They may not vocalize that, um, but we're trying to you know, increase vulnerability yeah. here in Rekinning. And so it was, so I'm, I just like, but I've asked for it. He didn't get it. And I understand you can tell me, well, I must have asked for it with the wrong motives or I didn't mm-hmm. ask line to his will. Uh, maybe, but maybe I was, and he still didn't give it to me, right? And there was just a little bit of bitterness or a little bit of resentment or a little bit of fear. And so I just stopped asking for things. So when I first started coming to all this and I thought, oh, this is cool. Because this is me just getting to hang out with him. And I, so I still don't have to ask him anything. I can just hang out with him. I can listen to him. I can talk. I'm still going to ask because I'm still not convinced he actually grants it. And so even going through the study, when we, when we started going through these type verses where he answers prayer, it was rough for me. Because um, even, even this year, even in, in, in August and such, I was asking for some things and I wasn't getting it. And I'm like, this is frustrating. Um, and so just kind of raw in a raw fashion, trying to work through all that. And, and, and we'll talk more about this, you know, uh, um, in, in the rest of the study, but yeah, that was, that was difficult for me. Um, and then with, and, and with that is the determinism issue that, you know, some people say God will only grant it if you ask for it. Others say, well, God's already decided whether you ask for it or not. So you don't really need to ask for it. If he's going to give it to you, he's going to give it to you. All that is rooted back in what's your view of determinism, you know, and so you're going to want to go back. It's a really great episode. You're going to want to go back and listen to that one because um, it, it will play into how you see this answering of prayers. Uh, so, um, and then that can also play into third things too, right? There's cer- certain third things you could pray for. Yeah. Um, you know, Lord help the, the Steelers beat the Eagles, right? Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. No, not beating the Eagles. <laughs> Not beating oh, the Eagles. So quick. Aren't you a Steeler guy? Yeah, he's a Steeler guy. Oh yeah. Ab- about that. She just so you were the face. wrong side of the state. The wrong <laughs> yeah. side of the state. And of course, that's the whole can of worms. You know, I, I don't think God answers prayer when it comes to sports teams. Uh, you know, winning. But, but anyway, so so yeah, th- th- those were. I'm pretty sure he answered some with us clinching the division. Oh, here, here we go. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think it was that, oh, that's that's tomorrow night, right? Um. So, the, so those were a lot, some of those benefits. We also want to take note of the Lord's Prayer, the Matthew um, 6 that we read in John 17 back at the beginning. You know, in private, you're honoring and pleasing him. You're aligning your will with his. You're asking for second things. You're asking for strength and, and maturity. All this comes back to just reminding yourselves that it's not just, uh, you know, one way. And I have a microphone now so I can defend the Steelers. Uh, I would like just to do a Super Bowl ring count. And Okay, now I'm done. So I think it's also important that we look at Philippians 4, 4 through 8, which I do just want to read really quickly. It's uh, talking about rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So I think this passage really just shows shows us that we need to focus on God. We really need to get a right perspective when we pray, and then we'll be able to find peace be thankful and then begin to ask. So, so when we were doing the study, um, and, and even Zach going through it now, 
what was the the motivation or benefit either the one, one or two that most jumped out at you that was just like ooh this is cool this is kind of one of my, making me it's kind of kind of wanting to make me pray more right um so so I'm just going to preface my answer with this. We all have things that are really quirky about us. that are like weird things that we really like. And I'm about to share one of mine. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is to watch locker room pep talk videos on YouTube. Um, so like if I have like a really important day at work or if I have this like really big meeting coming up or like anything is happening, I just will like Google. I don't even care what team it is. I don't care what sport it is. Some coach giving some locker room pep talk. It just gets me so pumped and I get so excited. I'm ready for the day. Um, So it was really cool to me to see the point where we talked about it stirring you, prayer stirring you Mm -hmm. um, to know that my time spent with the Lord um, could be like my locker room pep talk in this like moment that we have and, and that coach like talking to me and get me really excited about the mission and whatever he's about to send me out to do. Um, So that was my favorite thing. And it just got me really excited about praying more and spending that time with him. Yeah, that's so good. Lynn, what about you? Um, I think one of the big ones that really stood out to me, um, is the whole idea of it, it calming me. Um, again, getting a little bit personal. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression. Um, and so just those moments where, um, something has, has triggered the feelings of anxiousness and not feeling in control and that, and just, knowing that I can, um, just dwell with the Lord and, and call out to him. Um, and even like quietly or, or whatever, um, just talking to him and, and him really like calming me and being there when, uh, sometimes it's, it's hard to find that thing. Um, but also at the same time stirring me as well, just the, the two extremes, I guess, kind of in that, um, is, is just really cool how, how the prayer works that way though i can't say that i watch locker room <laughs> um pep talks but i think that's awesome <laughs> yeah. and i think for me one of the things that really sticks out is actually uh conveniently from the passage that i read uh just the fact that god wants us to come to him with everything and mm-hmm. so uh he doesn't care if it's a big thing or if it's a little thing or whatever it is, he wants to be talking to us and he wants to be having that conversation with us. Um, and so just really focusing on that and that the creator of the universe wants to spend time with me uh, is actually humbling and uh, just really motivates me to want to spend time with him in return. Yeah, and, and I love you guys' your vulnerability and sharing there because a lot of times, you know, up on stage at a church or in a Christian podcast, everyone's presenting themselves, you know, as a certain way. There's a book called True Faced that talks about how, you know, we Christians are the best mask wearers in a business. So one of my kind of sub goals of these podcasts and the studies that we do is this vulnerability can come out that we can go ahead and share, you know, because this is this is getting published over the whole world. Right. And and even in the evil sin study, we were just talking about some of, you know, my struggles with lust or some of the other and how to how to practically resist that. And, you know, and we've talked about my DUI and that kind of thing. It's just we want people to know we've, we've, we, we're raw, right? We're all broken. Mm-hmm. And so I think I appreciate it. I thank you for that um, because I just think it's a cool it's a cool thing. I think for me, two of the motivations, one is the st- is strengthened 
maybe like emotionally strengthened for me. So I know that like when I can go sit with him in, the, in this prayer, and we'll go more into this in the, in the second session, uh, what that looks like, I come out of it feeling stronger. Um, and, and I've seen it, I've experienced it, so I know it's a true thing. And that can really encourage me to go ahead and come back into the prayer because it's a safe place for me. I also really like the idea of, of it, the chance that it makes God smile. I think, you know, I had never really thought about, I have an opportunity to put a smile, a grin on my God's face. That's kind of cool, you know? Um, and if, if one of the ways that I can do that is just spending time with him in prayer, you know, I remember one time I, I think this was last summer, uh, I heard like a little voice, just him kind of speaking like, you know, we need to hang out more. <laughs> it was just very convicting. You know, kind of like, like guilty with that, but he just enjoys just kind of that hanging out. And so I thought that was cool. So, um, so, so those are some of the, the, the motivations. Do you guys have, you know, I, I mentioned like just being afraid that God isn't going to answer my prayer. Do you guys have any like fears or doubts or hesitancies about prayer? Could be that I don't know what to say or I'm not worthy enough, you know, whatever. Sometimes for me, I think it's um, the aligning my will with his. Um, so if I really am willing to align, you know, what I ask for with what he he wants me to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a little fear in that. Like, what am I getting myself into here? <laughs> hey, really? What am I what am I going to be asking for if I'm really aligning my will with his? Like, what crazy things am I going to be asked to do or asking him to let me do, you know? Um, so there's a little fear there for me. Do you have any advice to give yourself as a counter to that? I, for me, it's, it's mainly a reminder that the Lord is trustworthy. So if he's leading me to something, um, he's going to prepare me for it. He's going to equip me to do it. Um, even if I look at it, you know, before I actually start doing it and I'm scared out of my mind about mm-hmm. doing it. He's going to give me the courage to actually do it if I'm spending that time with him in prayer. And and like we just talked about the stirring you. Right. Um, so he's going to get me excited about that mission. He's going to let me um, kind of be strengthened, be motivated, be encouraged and excited about what he's calling me to do. Yeah, because there's times like when, when I, if I'm trying to align and I'm like, oh, crap, here we go. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a cost to this. And I'm, uh-huh. not, I'm not going to like the cost. Right. But I can remind myself, but I know there's some benefit to me mm-hmm. or others that's coming from this. And, and on the backside of heaven, I'm pretty certain I'll look back on this and I won't disagree with it. Mm. So I may, I may disagree with it now or not like it now, <laughs> but I know on the backside I won't. So if it's true that on the backside I'm, I probably just need to roll with it. Yeah. That doesn't persuade me every time, but it, but it helps me. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good motivation. Yeah. Lynn, any fears or doubts or hesitancies for you with prayer? Um, I mean, besides that same one that you literally just talked about, because I've seen <laughs> him answer prayers and him work it out in a way and ask me to do uh, things. Um, so even just being vulnerable a few moments ago. So um, I guess besides that, um, I lost my train of thought. If it comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, not to sound like broken record, but I really do think that this, that idea of, um, when I'm actually being intentional about listening to what God wants me to do and being open to following the spirit, it's done. Like I've had to do things that I wouldn't have done before. Like one thing Mm -hmm. specifically that I had to do, um, was two summers ago, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for the summer because I'm a college student uh, and just like, do I work? Do I, wh- what do I do? Um, and I was also in a long distance relationship. So I'd been gone all year um, and I was going to go back home to Michigan, work, make some money and it was going to be great. And then I got this 
call from someone asked me and was like what are you doing this summer i was like i don't know and they're just like okay uh do you want to intern at a church it's like uh maybe but i'm going home so however that works and they're just like well it's in virginia it's like well <laughs> nope uh and but then like just this whole process of going through and god's like no i you need to go to this internship and i'm just like but i i have a relation like i need i need to go home and um just really coming to a point where um God was asking me if uh, I was going to sustain my relationship or if I was going to let him, which was real rough, uh, just working through all of that and then trusting him with being home for a week, going back to Virginia for 10 weeks and then being home for three before I came back for the fall semester, Um, which now two years later I can say that it did work and just really thankful that I did because it did just the experience there and also in in my relationship with my now fiance like it's really exciting to see how God does work all of that out and how it's worth trusting him but like (laughs) coming full circle like you need to actually be willing to trust him in order to do that which can be really frightening so with that I think it's really cool that he did that. So he eventually answered it. He worked it. He worked things out for you in his own way and his own time, which is terrifying um, because we, I don't, well, personally, I'm, I like to control things. I like to know how things are going to work out. Um, and so I think that is a very terrifying thing when it comes to, to praying is yeah. just trusting that, like knowing he's already got it worked out. I know he has it figured out. But how he's working it out, which, like you said a minute ago, I mean, on the, I think on the other side of heaven, like, we'll get it. Or sometimes he gives us glimpses, like, mm-hmm. here right, that he right. was like, oh, that makes sense why that went that kind of kind of way. So Yeah. yeah. So one thing I'll say on this, this idea, kind of practical application, is you're going to have some fears or doubts or hesitancies to prayer. But there's also these benefits. And so, so what I want to encourage you is if you got those fears or hesitancies, you do, right? You just acknowledge it. Go ahead and really cling to the benefits and motivations. And the idea being there that the, the, the benefits and motivations, if they become stronger than the hesitancies, you're more likely to go do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not necessarily that you have to get rid of the hesitancies, it's just that you need to find the motivations that are stronger than it that will pull you in that direction, which is why we listed this section here. So, so that's some of the, the motivations and, and, and benefits. So then another, another point that we want to make here in the beginning of just kind of what prayer is all about is that this is definitely a long-term intentionality yeah. uh, that's required here. You, that you're going to need to make a determined effort to pray this way. So, Tori, you actually mentioned this earlier. We said, I don't want to do it yeah. the easier way, right? Um, and so just keep in mind that God first loved us so that we can now love him, but also we must first draw near to God so that he'll draw near to us. This is First John 4. 19 and James 4 8 so there's this dichotomy right this two-way deal that God initiates the 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 love so that we can then come and, and like he steps the first step forward so that we can then take the second step forward but then we're supposed to take the third step forward so that he then takes the fourth step forward and so so it's great that he starts it all and so it makes a step two for us easier. But then he's waiting for us to do step three so then he can do step four. And so we have a couple points that we want to reiterate to you guys is just as far as like what, what we actually mean when we talk about this, this long-term intentionality is required. 
Yeah, so the first part of that is really what we were just discussing. You need to find out that what actually motivates you to pray <laughs> and allow that to move you and then set time to be intentional and act on it. Um, and as we've already mentioned, keep in mind that this is going to take a long time to develop. Um, the more you do it, though, the smoother and easier it will become. Um, but again, over time. So be okay with getting distracted easily um, at first with feeling like you're not hearing God clearly, whatever fear it is that you have in the early stages mm -hmm. of practicing this prayer. And I personally have experienced it, but um, just keep pushing through it. Um, too often, um, the reason we don't see prayer working um, is that we don't give it that time. So can't say it enough. <laughs> give it that time yeah. to, to allow it to work. Yeah, that's convicting. Another big thing that we want to remember, because it does take time, so it is going to be a long process um, that we are beginning to master prayer. We want to remember that God wants to meet us halfway. Um, so he, he's just as determined and intentional in making this happen as we are with the effort and the time that we're putting in to beginning to master it. Um, mm -hmm. And just remembering he passionately wants to meet with us and he wants that time with us and just to hang out with us in... Um, he died so that we can have this opportunity um, to reconcile and experience this time with him and experience him um, as we spend time with him. He sets the example of what that prayerful life looks like. We looked at some of those passages earlier. Um, and then in Romans 8, we even see when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Right. Okay. Um, so it's just this incredible experience that we can have with the Lord if we remember. You know, he, he wants this too. Yeah. You know, I think we don't, emphasize enough we do say it as the church and it's great we need to say it more that god really does passionately want to spend time with us but also even as you were saying that i was just thinking people we could say that a bunch more and people could hear it a bunch more and they still don't believe it mm -hmm. this is a trust issue here and I, like i'm convinced that when we get to heaven, you know, God's going to be that prodigal son, dad, right? Running down the streets of gold and just picking us up and swirling us in these big hugs. He's just going to be like so ecstatic to see all of us. And like Zephaniah 3.10 says, he's going to sing over us with shouts of joy. And I just get this picture like we're going to get our world rocked when we understand how much he really delights in us. And I, I am convinced, like I don't have any question of that, that that's what we're going to experience in heaven and so i have to remind myself that I, I don't have that yet but it is true and so i have to remind myself of that that he does delight in me you know and he is crazy and he, and he does want to meet with me and so and so we, we talk a lot about in heaven that first couple of days of heaven we're gonna be like oh wow okay this is great, you know, and, and it's almost like we wish we could go back in life. Gosh, I wish I would have known this in my life living on earth in the, in the broken prologue because I would have changed things. I really do believe that. So having believed that, why don't I change? Don't wait until I get there and then it's too late because the prologue's already done. Let me go ahead and kind of fast forward to that first day of heaven, realize how blown away I'm going to be, and then wish that I had lived differently in my life, and then go ahead and then reverse back to where I am now currently in my life and start living that way. And so I want to encourage you guys. I'm going to encourage the listeners. It is true, and I understand it sounds cliche-ish, right? And it, it's hard to accept because we don't have the physical reality. We're missing that. This is why I really like Paul's language as far as, 
now we see but in a mirror darkly and then we shall see shall, shall see face to face and remember that in in the roman in the first century uh, roman empire the mirrors would be like those bronze you know just just sheets of bronze they had polished and so you could look in there and you could see a reflection it would be somewhat warped somewhat distorted like a minor circus mirror right um, so it'd be somewhat distorted, but you could still get the basic idea. And, and, and then, and so imagine if like Paul gets to see HD cameras and H, you know, and, and high glass, high definition mirrors and all that kind of stuff today. Um, the idea here is, is that right now, as we talk about God, as we do this kind of prayer, it is going to be that bronze mirror. We're going to get some glimpse. It's somewhat distorted, but we're going to get somewhat of the basic idea so we can get excited when we do these. In heaven, we get a turn and we get to see him in all his HD clarity, right? With, with colors that we didn't even know existed. So I just, I can't wait for that. But prayer is a way to begin kind of doing that. So anyways, so I was just thinking, people, it's going to be hard for us to, to believe that, but we want to begin to believe it. It goes back to the, the evil sin study that, you know, let me, let me just for the next couple of weeks, let me just assume this is true. Let me just assume it's true and live life as if it was and see what happens. And some really cool things can, you know, can come from that. So, so yeah, so this requires intentionality. It requires effort. It's, it's kind of an uphill battle at times. It will get better and better and, and, and practice makes perfect, you know, that kind of thing. And so are, are you willing to put the time and effort over the course of your whole life? So everything that we're presenting today and everything we're presenting in the next session, don't try to master that in the next three days. You know, this is a lifelong deal. And it goes back to the evil and sin study again, that, that all of these commands and prohibitions, you've got your entire life to begin to master a fraction of them. You're never going to master all of them. So, so be patient with yourself as you go through this. Um, be patient that you're slowly beginning to master prayer. And I do want to make one, <coughs> one note that you can't begin to master prayer until you've begun to master scripture. And so you really want to begin to begin, begin mastering scripture and do these unpackings and understanding it and, and studying the scriptures and the different books of the Bible, doing all that because it'll help increase this prayer. So if you're somebody who loves to pray with God, but you don't know scripture very well, you need to understand that your prayer life is still not, is a fraction of what it could be. And even if it's awesome, some, some may say, well, I, my prayer life is fantastic. I don't really need to go to scripture much. Hmm. If you actually go to scripture, that prayer life is going to go to, to an even, you know, another, another level. Um, so anyway, so that was just some notes on that. So the other thing that we wanted to cover in, in this episode, and then we'll wrap up is just some of the other factors. So when we were going through this study the first time, the second time, third time, um, we noticed there was a number of like key kind of, uh, keep, I don't say secondary points. Some of them are, are primary, but key other points that we just didn't have as time to explore as much. And so we're going to rapid fire through them. We at least want to touch on them and say that these are other elements to prayer because we could do another seven hour and 40 minute recording on prayer like we did evil and sin and go more into these when we're not. So we're, but we, we at least want to address them, acknowledge them and throw them out there. So one thing is just different postures. What is the correct posture? There's many. So you could stand, you can bow, you can kneel, you can fall on your face, you can spread forth your hands. These were all from passages in Scripture. We saw all these being used. And so it shows you that there is a variety to prayer. There's not just one way to do that. And you can kind of go with whatever works for you. And another factor can, to consider is fasting while you pray. And so what this is, is this is uh, you embracing your hunger pains. And that's showing God how much he 
and this praying really means to you. So by prioritizing God in prayer over food, uh, you're really just demonstrating how big of a deal this is. And this is a huge component of prayer that really I need to really consider more because I've never really looked into fasting. I've heard at different times, different ways, just like prayer and fasting. And I, I hear the two together so frequently, but I know just me personally being honest, I haven't really looked into what it would look like to really combine those two. Can I warn you? It's hard. Holy yes. cow, it's <laughs> fasting hard. Um, so yeah, definitely do that. But it, but it, there's something powerful with that. We'll, we'll do an unpacking on fasting at some point down the road. I'm excited for that one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else? Um, pray in community. So find others and pray these prayers together and pray for um, one another. This can actually be found um, in Matthew 18, 19 through 20, uh, Zechariah 8. 21 first samuel 12 19 um and uh paul's repeated uh please you know to others um to pray for him can be seen you know all throughout his letters yeah he um, says it a bunch yeah yeah so there's just a, a very real um, <coughs> beauty and encouragement when you pray uh, corporately and in, in community yeah we also want to let God confirm our prayers. Um, so Shannon, like you just mentioned, we, we really need to start beginning to master scripture because he's going to do this through scripture a lot where he is confirming mm -hmm. the things we're praying for. Um, so the more that we hear his voice, um, so we're picking up on the nuances of his accent. We're getting to know him a little more. Um, the more we see that accurately in scripture and through prayer, the less we're going to need confirmation. Um, but it is still something that the Lord can do if we need it. We see that in Judges 6, 36 through 40. Uh, we want to repeat the scriptures and the concepts that he's laid on us through various conversations or devotions or situations. Um, remembering that, that God does use scripture and prayer as his primary mode of communicating his will to us. So we need to be studying the scripture we need to be praying and, and mm -hmm. seeking confirmation in scripture um and he can also confirm that through others and situations uh, but that primary mode is through scripture and prayer and one note on that i heard someone that was explaining it and i thought it was really cool he talked about how a lot of people a lot of christians they'll look at kind of the circumstances going on and they'll make their conclusions and then they'll try to make sure that their conclusions are confirmed in scripture and prayer mm -hmm. but it's, it's misleading yeah and psychologically there can be some confusion there mm -hmm. and so he talked about it's harder yeah. But go to the scriptures and prayer first and then let circumstances confirm it. I thought that was cool. And then one other note we want to remember, um, it's it's really important to recognize open doors don't necessarily mean that something is God's will. If there's an open door for it to happen. Does it mean that it's his will? We see that in Acts 16, uh, 25 through 33. We also want to remember that closed doors don't necessarily mean an absolute no. Um, we see that in numerous places, numbers 2012, Matthew 17, 1 through 4, Acts 16, 7, and 1 Peter 1, 1. So one comment on that, this gets back to interdeterminism too. Um, I, people will apply for a job and they'll get it and they'll say, oh, it must have been God's will. Maybe. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe he wanted something else, you know, and you're supposed to turn it down. Or they don't get the job. The door is closed. Oh, it must have been God's will. Maybe. And that's why he closed it. Maybe he didn't want it closed, but the person who's doing the hiring wasn't listening to him, and they closed it down. 
So we want to be careful how we read those, read those circumstances because we see, even see in Scripture, right, to, to kind of persevere sometimes. Uh, and then another note is you want to remember and rejoice in what you and God have been discussing. So record it, write it down, journal it, tell another person, whatever needed, so that you can remember it. Don't, don't you know, it's like the, the fool that looks in the mirror then walks away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You're kind of missing the point if you have these awesome prayer times, but then you don't remember it. Oh, I had this awesome prayer time last week. Oh, what did you learn? I, you know, I don't remember. I just remember it was awesome. Okay, it's cool that you remember that it was awesome, but you need more than that, right? And so, so do whatever you need to do to, to, to remember that. And then rejoice in it. Begin to chew on it and dwell on it and sit in it and meditate on it. Let it just bring you that smile and that encouragement and, and that strength. And we also need to act out, uh, act on what we learn in Scripture and through prayer accordingly. And so by listening and applying and obeying what you're hearing and what you're reading, that's what makes that's what gives you a solid, well-built life. And so we see that in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and also James 1, 23. And then also it's important to keep in mind that you need to recognize that you need to be faithful in the small things so then God can use you in the big things. And that's actually an idea that we see in Luke 16, 10. Um, and this is something one of my professors actually taught us as we um, – study scripture, the more you study scripture, the more sense it's going to make. So it's kind of like a funnel uh, as you start spinning spinning around the top, like you uh, are going to be able to start focusing in the more and more times you go around and actually spend time reading scripture and praying and all these different things. So you can go deeper into scripture and speak with God and your understanding is going to build on your obedience. And we see that in Proverbs 25, 2 and Matthew 25, 21. You, real quick, you know what's funny? So you said funnel, and then you're moving your hands like in a circle, <laughs> so you're picturing that funnel that spirals down. I was picturing like a funnel, like a, like a, a batter funnel in the kitchen where it's just that round, and it just it just pours straight down. So I just picture something different. Unless you're saying that's what you're thinking. and Because and what I, and then what I was doing with my finger that obviously the people <laughs> on the podcast couldn't see uh, was like when you those random like fundraiser things do you see at museums where you take a coin and then you oh, put it in and then it spins around and around and around that <laughs> funnel but the, I don't think that's necessarily the word for that in that case but so that's actually what I was trying to convey is when you have a coin at a museum fundraiser thing you stick it in and it runs around and around and around and around <laughs> and then drops in the middle that's what <laughs> studying scripture is like <laughs> oh man um so another factor with prayer is to pray without ceasing, um, which was something that I've had a hard time wrapping my brain around. Um, so, and it might be for you as well. Um, if you've seen prayer as a quick uh, one-way kind of speech to God um, and not the, the two-way mm -hmm. um, dialogue. Um, so then it, it makes it hard to understand that the commandment to pray without ceasing, which is found in First first. Thessalonians 5.17 um, doesn't seem practical to you. Um, but now that we're seeing that it is both that that communion, so that experiencing the Lord's presence, and then that that two-way conversation, um, your your constant prayer life uh, should be able to show in, in a couple of different ways. So first way um, that should be showing is that you'll begin to have longer quiet times of prayerful reflection. So kind of best case scenario, what we're hoping for what I'm striving for is to at least have that once a day. Obviously, mm -hmm. life happens and gets sure. in the way. So don't be like me and beat yourself up if <laughs> you miss a day or a couple days. Um, you know, seek seek those times, um, certainly when you can, um, to get rooted and, and centered um, on God. Um, a second way would be um, to 
to then be established in him. So better knowing his will and his heart. Um, and so then you can begin to treat prayer as, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the walkie talkie instead of a cell phone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, excuse me. So rather than a separate start and stop prayer times, you're always ready, um, to hear from God in that moment. And you're, you're not turning him off, um, or, or getting, um, distracted um by things you're you're ready and you know that you can talk to him um at at any moment and he's ready to be there as well um at any moment um so sending that that quick walkie talkie um response i have this really fun picture in my head of like being like a little kid and and you know god being on the other side and just any point um being able to to get in contact with him um, and the third way that you'll probably see this um, affecting your prayers is with those formal prayers. So like Zach mentioned earlier, those mealtime prayers or your morning prayer, even like your, your evening prayer. Um, you may feel that they have less substance um, since there's not the listening. They, they seem more, like I said, formal. Um, you're just kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, you, may, you may end up finding that you're stopping doing them. So... And that's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as you are praying without ceasing. Um, so that's yeah, not, a, not as big of a deal as long as you're maintaining that. Um, but in the vein of Romans 14, <coughs> don't let it cause others to stumble. So still consider doing those, especially when you're around other people who might see that as more of a you know, meaningful, meaningful thing for them. Yeah, and something that I heard about the walkie-talkie prayers, because I had actually heard that uh, my youth pastor did a message on that, and it was really uh, challenging to hear uh, that we're supposed to pray without ceasing, and like mm-hmm. as often as we uh, eat, we're supposed to, or not eat, um, it's, there's another word picture that Paul uses, but it's just that idea that it needs to just keep happening. And so that second point that you just said, that it's okay to stop doing like those formal prayers, like before meals and stuff, that's actually something that I actually kind of subconsciously began doing. I Mm -hmm. was just like, well, do I have, like, do I need to actually have this formal time of thank you for my food and and the hands I prepared, like, and all that sort of thing, because I was praying at other times through the day. So I do think, because I, um, just felt like someone hearing that for the first time would be like, well, how can you stop doing that? Like praying without ceasing. How can you stop those times? Cause those are like the core times. But when you actually see prayer as that walkie talkie, just that open line of communication, you feel less of the need to do almost those filler times that are um, more obligation based and just have it be more that open line of communication. Yeah, I went through the same thing. So when I first, you know, kind of processing through all this, I didn't want to just pray for my meals because I was supposed to, or even when we do studies, that I didn't want to just pray at the beginning of the study because you're supposed to, or pray at the end of the study, you're supposed to. But then I was also thinking of Romans 14, that people are going to get upset if I don't pray. And so I wanted to balance all of that out. And so a lot of times what I do in the studies is I do go ahead and say a prayer up front, not really for any benefit of mine because I'm trying to pray without ceasing throughout the entire day and study. But I go ahead and pray for those that want it, <clears throat> that want to hear it. And then also it helps kind of like set the tone, you know, whatever. And then a lot of times when we end, I purposefully won't have a say a prayer and then tell the people, especially if we're explaining the kind of this concept on your way home, as you're walking to your car, as you're driving yeah. your car, let that be that time, you know. And so being willing to move away from the formality and feeling OK with it. Just being aware that some people are still going to expect you to do it, and, and we don't want to cause our brothers to stumble. And so there's a balance there, yeah. 
Uh, the last factor that we want to mention is that <coughs> when we are doing this type of prayer, when we are kind of growing, beginning to master this type of prayer, we're going to see transformation. Um, so it is going to change our relationship with God. It's going to change our relationship with other people, um, our perspective, our understanding, priorities, attitude, our decisions, and our behavior. All of that is going to change when we are starting to begin to master this type of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um and we can truly start becoming salt and light, like we see in scripture, we're called to do. Right. Um, we can be cities um, on a hill. We can be star shining in a dark universe when we're starting to pray like this. So that is the, everything that we wanted to present, at least in this first session, of really trying to open your mind up to this this big circle of prayer, right? Um, and some of all the different components that can be included in it. And so it is complex, but it's also very flexible. Right. And, and how that how this plays out. And so um, the application, we're going to get more into the to the second session. But do you guys have anything else that you want to add before we wrap up as far as like um, another application point that you would like to go ahead and say now or an implication point? We've already been discussing a lot of this of just kind of re rethinking how we see God and rethinking how we approach God. I don't know if there's anything else that you guys wanted to add from your notes or anything. I think just reiterating how different this concept of prayer is Mm -hmm. from what I thought prayer was. Um, So, so coming into it and being willing to admit, you know, maybe I didn't quite understand what prayer was. And, and I think you said this earlier, Shannon, it wasn't an incorrect view. It just wasn't a complete view. It wasn't a whole view. Um, So being willing to, to dig deeper and spend more time and, and accepting that it is a more complicated process than I want it to be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I want that quick, like, 30 second prayer and I'm done like check it off the checklist um but to accept that it is a lot more complex than that and one of the cool things is too like you were mentioning especially when we'll explain more of this in the next session but um up front there's this intentional effort that you have to make kind of revamping everything but then as you get really good at this and it becomes kind of just this ongoing prayer it's actually even better than the 30 second prayer because it just kind of becomes this constant little voice in the back of your head Mm -hmm. of the walkie talkie which will almost like a second nature like it's so natural to you yeah but it it takes a bit to kind of come around to that yeah Okay, cool. So, so we'll finish there with that. Uh, and, and, and a little note on that. You know, we, we've done these long unpacking studies. And so when we did the evil and sin, we wanted to experiment and try to break it up into shorter ones. Our goal was to, to try to do a bunch of like 45-minute sessions um, that, that then you can kind of listen, you know, part by part. So we took, we took the seven hour and 40 minute of evil and sin and broke it into six episodes. So one was 37 minutes. Most of them were all still an hour, an hour and a half. So in that vein, we're still trying to experiment with breaking it into smaller uh, episodes, um, which which this one is an hour and 32 <laughs> that we're at right now. So we still can't, because I'm, I'm finding it almost impossible to break anything down into in 45 minutes. But anyways, we do want your feedback. Um, would you, For example, here in this prayer one, we're doing two episodes. Would you rather have us done all one episode? Or would you have rather, because this, this one's an hour and a half, the next one's probably going to be probably another hour, hour and a half. So it would have been like five or six of these 45-minute sessions. I'm still trying to figure out how we would even break it up. But we want your guys' feedback. So, and again, on Podbean, you can put in comments there. Do you like the smaller sections? Are you okay with the longer ones? Especially at the longer ones, we put the timestamp in, et cetera. So just let us know on that. So so that's it for now. The, 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 the next session 
on the second half of prayer is some very practical things of what this actually means to sit with God and experience him and commune with him uh, and get that camaraderie with him and then listen to his voice and then speak to him. We're going to go through a bunch of uh, a bunch of details there. So uh, so if you have any questions so far, you can contact us, email us at info at rekindlingministries.com or you can go to the website rekindlingministries.org and then we will see you guys for the uh, the next episode.